This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 126 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. We've recently been doing a series with Tim and Matt Simmons where we talk about mistakes that church planters make. And today we're discussing the idea that your church will grow because people want to follow you. You can find the full notes on everything that Tim and Matt say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 126. So here are Tim and Matt. Welcome to the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Um, We're doing a series of um, podcasts on the mistakes that church planters make. Um, my name is Tim Simmons. I'm based at Christchurch Manchester. One of the leaders there have uh, planted a couple of the sites of CCM and helped others plant as well. And I'm with my brother, Matt Simmons, who has planted uh, into Amsterdam, planted Liberty Church there four years ago, and he's going strong in Amsterdam. And today I, I wanted to uh, talk about uh, a particular mistake, but I think in going at the the mistakes that we make, as planters, I just thought it'd be a, an interesting way of thinking about why and how we plant, how we get things moving, even the internal kind of motivations of what it is to be a church planter. Now, I discovered actually in, in planting, there was plenty written about strategy and theology and contextualization, but not very much written about um, how you process emotionally your own kind of character development, your own maturity, all of those things in church planting. Um, and I, for me, I found that a very stark journey. Um, so I, I think looking at these mistakes, I think will, will be quite interesting. Obviously, I've only got a few mistakes, so it'll be quite a short series until we get to Matt's mistakes and then we'll be at it until the 2040s. Um, but today I wanted to look at um, this idea, this mistake that uh, maybe planters make, that is that people want to follow me. Um, and I know I'm, I think I made this a bit actually early on, this idea that people are going to rally uh, to my cause and that somehow I'm a, a, at that level of being a gifted leader, that people are just going to turn up because they want to hear from me and be led by me. Um, I think that would be a mistake. And actually, I see um, other planters making this mistake like really very early on, like when there are a handful of people thinking that actually it's their gifting that will grow this thing, which in some ways it does, but it's almost the the magnetism of their character as well as their leadership skills or, or their gifting as a preacher would somehow just drag people in, um, which I don't think is true. There's a bit of a myth of the, the visionary leader that people flock to, which perhaps I think is not necessarily – it's not helped by the, the kind of megachurch narrative of the last uh, 20 years that, that's come out of America. I think this idea that most that there will be lots of churches of thousands of people, uh, it's just not borne out in data or history, is it? But actually, a lot of the leadership narrative is at becoming that sort of leader, um, which I think is not helpful to us, especially, um, especially in Europe, in a, in a post-Christian culture. Uh, so... Yeah, so I wondered what you thought about this, Matt, whether you found that that was a mistake you made, whether uh, early on you thought actually it was your own gifting and ability and that people would want to follow you specifically, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think in a sense I probably 
did the opposite mistake that I think um, I was probably living with a little bit too much false humility rather than your particular brand of church planning arrogance that you seem to have adopted. <laughs> I think I was, I probably didn't clarify vision and build it around what I felt God had said enough initially and was too cautious to do that. So one example would be, um, I mean, but it took me quite a while to tell people what I thought the name of the church should be. Um, even though I, I, the, I think if I remember rightly, the first time I thought of the name and thought we should call it Liberty Church was actually the first time Joe and I ever visited the city. Um, what was that now? Seven years ago. So three years before we even moved here. Um, I was just reading a book about the city while we were staying in a hotel here and thought, oh, well, we should call it Liberty Church. That's why people to come to Amsterdam, because they want to find freedom. Um, so we'll, we'll just call it that. But it took me ages to tell people the name. Even after we moved, it was probably another month or so, or maybe even three or four months before I actually told people what I wanted the church to be, because I was just too cautious. And I kept saying, oh, well, we need to do, we, we need to figure out what name is going to contextually work in the city and try to use all sorts of nice language around it. When I already knew, yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. I, I wasn't being clear. And that, uh, through a number of circumstances, I thought, no, I just need to actually say what I feel the vision is and what, what, what God's laid on my heart and not hide behind a kind of pretense of clever missional language. Yeah, that's interesting. So, in a funny way, it's thinking about your own, um, uh, I can't think of the language, your own, I guess, I don't know, your own psychology as a, as a church planner, where where you put yourself and how you lead in those early days yeah. um, and how in, in realising how important you are as the leader um, and how not important you are at the same time. So, But I guess working out what, what the important things are. Um, yeah. I think I was probably reacting a little bit against the, you know, you, you see there'll be a few leaders out there who were clearly big visionaries and, you know, whenever time they, they preach, they always seem to somehow come back to vision, whatever they're talking about. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's what they're always promoting. And people do rally and gather to that. And, but then you often see lots of other churches that when you hear them unpack their vision, you think that's not your vision. You've just stole it from that guy over there. You've just you've just changed the language a little bit. But it's basically what that guy is saying. And you just repackaged it in your own language. So I think I was probably a bit nervous of doing that. Um, but I think it's, it's it's I had to kind of learn that vision doesn't have to be this kind of city shaping, world changing thing. You know, your vision for your church can be, well, we want to make disciples, you know, it doesn't sound particularly glamorous, but <laughs> it's really important and very biblical. Or, you know, we just want to build a vibrant community life or we just want to have a church that still exists in five months time. Is <laughs> that, that, In the first three or four months, we started in September. Loads of people would ask me what the vision is. And actually, I was a bit chicken. So I just said, I want to still exist at Christmas. That was it. <laughs> People were like, no, you must have more than that. And uh, I was like, no, honestly, if we're still here at Christmas, that would feel like an act of God. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, vision is 
help helping people to know where you're going. But if if you shoot too big and too far ahead into the future, it doesn't really help anybody. Yeah, no, yeah. No one wants to be part of a church that's planning to build a, you know, plant a congregation on the moon or something, or to start our intergalactic ministry of cosmic proportions. It's we can overblow the language so much that it just doesn't actually win people because it's silly. Yeah. Even saying when there's, I remember once, uh, I think it was in the early days, there was 10 of us in the room and we start, we, in Manchester, we tend to start Sunday meetings just as quick as we possibly can um, and kind of view Sunday meeting almost as like a mission group. Um, so in our own head, we think it, it's 10 to 15 people is fine, um, but we will preach and we will lead worship. Uh, together so we'll treat it as a full-blown Sunday meeting but we're quite happy with not many people being there but I remember one week uh, standing at the front and talking about vision and what I wanted to see happen in the city and I remember looking at the 10 people and thinking not one of you is convinced that this is going to ever happen Uh, and if I'm honest neither am I Um, it was a little bit yeah and I think at that moment I realized um, that's yeah, I don't, I don't think people necessarily – it's not like they didn't want to follow me, but I wasn't as important to them staying and growing as I thought I should be or was. So I realized actually most of them uh, wanted to have friends um, and wanted to feel like they were part of something with meaning, uh, and that was it. And meaning can – you know, for, for people with ego like me, meaning can mean, yeah, we're going to plant 100 – um, 100 churches across Manchester for someone else meaning can be I know that these people are going to help me uh, walk through life and get closer to God and, and that can be it and so I, I, I realized that that was those things were more important than I was um, if that yeah. no that does that does I, th- I think it's um, a common mistake not just with vision but where we think we so easily in the early days of the church, everything has to, to revolve around me. And I'm, I'm, I'm so crucial to this thing that if, if I don't win this person and have this conversation or do this well, then the church is going to suddenly flounder. And I remember the first time we took two couples who both joined the church plant, they had a meal with each other. And it was the first time I remember anybody doing anything social in the church or anything at all that didn't revolve around me or me and Joe or our apartment. Yeah. And it was, on one hand, it was really encouraging. But on the other hand, it was like, well, what did you expect to happen? <laughs> I remember having a kind of eye-opening moment of, oh, yeah, no, this church isn't all about me meeting with all these people all the time. You know, they're, they're, it, it will actually only really grow if, if I, I learn to take a back seat and encourage our people to do those sort of things yeah yeah i think it's i think there's a, a a journey in learning of what issue you take the back seat right uh, so actually vision is important and but gotta be done in the right way for the church that you are at that moment in time um and community is really important but actually one of our guys who planted into um and they're part of manchester called withington and and he grew it or him and his wife grew this church by having people round for Sunday lunch uh, every week. And not just a couple of people, like they would have almost the entire church around Sunday lunch every week. And they just absolutely nailed it. They worked so hard. Uh, and 
he's one of our best preachers by distance. But people joined um, that community because he built this amazing community where people really liked hanging out with each other. But it all spun around him for a while, and it was just it was exhausting them. And then the first they had their first kid, and uh, and so he um, then just started doing community meals after church in the church building and then got other people to do Sunday lunches, like three or four at the same time. And then the thing accelerated uh, beyond him. So now it's our, our f- fastest growing uh, site, um, probably over a whole year, fastest growing site. Um, and it's because it, he detached it from him. So his leadership gifting expanded quite dramatically in that moment. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting, isn't it? What, what what you take a back seat on and what you take a front seat on and the different seasons that you need to work out what you do that in. So in the first, probably in the first 30 people, your front seat on almost everything. Um, and actually for it to grow beyond that, you need to start taking yourself off things. Yeah. I think as well, I had to learn that when it comes to the vision, it was, it was much more important that the vision actually had some in- integrity to it. Um, because you can preach a big vision, but if you're not actually willing to kind of embody it yourself, you know, I think that's what people look for. They're like, it's not so much the, the, the grand words, the big picture that you can paint, but you know, these people are actually really serious about this. Yeah. You know, they love to talk about community, but, um, but if, if, if we never open up our homes and invite people around, like your friend has in, in, in Manchester and it, nothing, nothing, it's not, there's no integrity to it. There's no authenticity to it. I think people will see through that really quickly. Yeah. So, you know, there's so many talks out there and books and things about, you know, how to communicate a vision and how to develop a vision, which is all important. But if you don't learn to actually live it out yourself with some integrity, and then that, that calls you to some accountabilities on, on it. Cause you think, well, I've, I've then got to have a vision that's that I can do that's achievable, not in my own strength, but something that I can actually live out myself um, and is, is something that people can look upon how I'm acting and think, Oh, okay. You know, this isn't just nice talk, but these people are actually serious about this. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I, I think the, uh, I've always thought though, to get a church plant started, you need an amount and this might just be me talking, but you need an amount of ego. I, I think you, there needs to be a bit of drive to, and there is a bit of ego in turning up in a place and thinking there is no church here. I'm going to start this thing and it'll exist. It would be the same ego that's required into probably start a business, that kind of entrepreneurial energy that you have. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe ego is the wrong word because it, it sounds a bit negative, but you do have to actually think I can make this thing come to life. Um, now, that, uh, that's the visionary gift. That's, you know what I mean? That is the, and there will be people here who are listening, perhaps, who would think, well, Jesus uh, builds his church, Tim, not you. Uh, and I would agree with you. But I also think that Jesus has given me quite a lot of tasks <laughs> in order to get this church. Um, but I, I but I think that's the that's the probably the first 20 to 30 people is driven on your own energy and gift, probably. Um, and in order for it to get bigger than that then suddenly a number of other people's energy and gifts need to be brought into play in order for the thing to expand. Um, and which 
uh, I was, it's always a difficult transition and I, I'm, I've done it two or three times and I'm realizing I'm at that place again with one of the plants I'm leading. In fact, probably two of them. Um, and it's always a difficult, okay, now I need to think about the things I need to let go of and give to other people. Um, and then they need to put themselves into it. Um, it's a, yeah. And then, so then you really realize people don't want to follow me. Uh, actually people join church plants because of the fun of community and all of that stuff, but also because they'll get to have a go at things themselves. So what's the, what's the main thing about my church, which is different to most other churches in Manchester, which is better, um, at, which is, I'm going to be careful on how I word that, but it's that actually there aren't many of us in a site. And so you just have more opportunity to have a go. There are, there are other churches in town who, who do many things infinitely better than we do, but there are hundreds of them, uh, hundreds of people, hundreds of members. Uh, and so it, it's then hard for leaders to come through in that because there's no burning need for them particularly. No, I think that's, there's some maturity there in your right. Uh, uh, you can you can carry the church so far on your own energy and vision, um, and that will depend on the leader of how far you can go and how many people that would carry. But I think to really build a really kind of, I guess, New Testament church would be you've got to bring in the vision that God's given to other people as well, because I don't think my, my own vision is sufficient enough to, to really accomplish that. You know, you want someone who's going to lead your worship music, who's got a vision of what they want that to look like and how they can do that. But or or someone who's going to drive forward in kind of social action ministries and serving the poor. You know, that might not necessarily be your vision, but that doesn't mean you should therefore say, well, well it's not my vision. So therefore we won't do it Yeah. because um, then you'll think, well, it's not really very. I'm not sure that's the right way to approach it just to kind of start lopping things off just because it doesn't fit with your particular church pastor worldview very good okay well i think we'll we'll finish that conversation there thinking around this idea of uh what people want to follow do they want to follow the the pastor earlier on or is it the vision or i think there's quite a lot in there that's pretty yeah, interesting come to any conclusion tim to be honest no, no it's it's very um uh, <laughs> you know it's very postmodern. we've had a conversation we've asked lots of questions <laughs> um, uh, we haven't necessarily provided any answers. I think we've decided that you've got a massive ego that's driving your church planting desires. I think yeah. we should just leave it at that. Yeah, no, that's that's reasonable. And um, I think everybody should do the same thing that I do. Right. <laughs> Let's finish there. And uh, we will um, we will uh, be back again soon. Thank you very much. <laughs> Well, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And just a reminder, you can find the full notes on everything that was said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 126. See you next time. <laughs>